Welcome to the Beyond Banky's Gardening Podcast, bringing you interviews with gardeners, plant lovers, and other industry experts. With you by our side, we are growing forward together and nurturing the minds and souls of gardeners both new and old. Check us out at our website, beyondbankies.com. Now, your host for today's podcast, former Vice President of Banky Nurseries and the proud granddaughter of its founders, Albert and Rose Banky. Here is Stephanie Fleming. Hi, everybody. This is Stephanie. And once again, welcome to the Beyond Banky Gardening Podcast. As usual, summer seems to be flying by as we all try to get every little bit of fun taken care of before it's all over. One thing I like to do in our vegetable garden when I pick our peppers is mix them all up, hot and sweet. Then after washing and letting them dry, I cut them into slices for things like pepper steak or chop them up for chili. I love all the colors and flavors mixed together. I put them in small freezer bags, lay them flat in the freezer to be used all year long. Typically, I run out just about the time a new crop is ready for the following summer. This year, however, we didn't plant a garden. So it will be off to my local pick-your-own farm to buy a variety of peppers to freeze. From strawberry picking to finding that best pumpkin, going to a pick-your-own farm has to be one of the best experiences anyone can have. So today, we're going to talk to one of the owners of Laraland Farms and my friend, Lynn Moore along with her nephew, Sam. Located in western Howard County, Laraland Farms is one of the largest and best pick-your-own orchards. Hi, Lynn and Sam. Thank you so much for taking time from your schedule to be part of this podcast. I know how busy you must be. How's it going? (laughs) Hot and busy. Well, that's good. Is it hot in the office? You got the AC on? Yeah, luckily we were able to get this AC unit going in the morning, so it's it's fairly cool in here. So it's a nice nice break from outside. I bet that's that's the that's the thing for a farmer or a nurseryman. You're always outside. So Lynn, we've known each other a long time, and I know your parents started Laraland Farms. Can you tell our listeners how and why it got its start? What what made you all become a pick your own farm? Well, I think the timing was correct. My father had a dairy farm, and when he sold the farm he had near Jessup, Maryland, and bought the farm where we are now, he sold the dairy herd and wanted to do some other types of farming and was struggling a little bit finding something that he enjoyed doing that took proper care of his farm and also made enough money for him to make a living. And at that point, I was in high school. And in the 11th grade, they suggested that you choose your career for your life. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, no. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be a nurse. I don't want to be a secretary. I don't want to be a teacher. What do I like? I said, actually, I like working with my dad and being out in the fields plowing. So I asked him if learn farming and he suggested I pick a project so we planted an acre of strawberries. Oh. So the strawberries wonderful strawberries came from you wanting to do the strawberries or your father came up with the strawberries? Well, I it probably was his idea. You know, I in the um arrogance of youth, I'm sure I thought I came up with it, but it was probably his idea and suggested I think it was also something that was picking up popularity, the pick your own concept about that time. So that the timing was good, you know, from that viewpoint. So I know you and your brothers are running the farm now. 
how did that transition go from your parents stepping back? And now I know you're looking forward to the future with your, like with Sam, starting to get involved and more of the, I guess, your cousins, your nieces and nephews getting involved. How's that working? It actually is it's going very smoothly. Uh, you know, you have your occasional bumps and head knocking and differences of opinion. But honestly, if you focus on what work needs to be done and the goals that have been set by hopefully by everybody, it's actually really pretty easy to get along. So I, I think it's great. I really enjoy working with them and watching them. And it's really nice when you're struggling with something to see some six foot four strong young man show up and go, oh, do you need anything? Like, <laughs> yeah, actually. So so Sam, what about you? How's it working for you? <laughs> wait, wait, I'll have to leave the room so he can answer. Yeah, uh, it's been going well. You know, I'm so right now this is, I'm just over a full year back after graduating from college. So, you know, it's still very early days. Uh, my brother, Jake, who's not here today, but he's been working with y'all for five years almost. Four or five. Yeah, four or five. And Emily's got like a year or two above him. So, you know, we're coming in waves. And I think I think it's all welcomed additions. You know, I came on last year and I could tell like, oh, wow, we do need another person. And then Steve quickly followed me. He's my other cousin quickly followed me three or four months later. And you know, I was like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. We need the extra help. So yeah, the extra help is is obviously very much appreciated. It's going well. I'm really starting to get a lot of the rewarding values from it, you know, seeing the the joy that we bring customers and growing all of this fresh produce. And anytime we do any type of donations to like local food banks or the church down the road. You know, that's really rewarding. So I mean, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's it's hot, long, hard days, but um, it definitely pays off in the end. Well, so you, you do things with the local food banks and things like that. I, I know that you're more into the social media and stuff than Lynn is. How's that working? Yeah, so we do the most we can. We've worked with a program or two out in Baltimore. I believe, I believe Jake headed that mm-hmm. last fall. And then it's really, it's, you know, it's whatever we have over we uh try to give i have been doing some social media but that is not my main job so there are a lot of things that take priority over it um so this year we're primarily focusing on just building a large content base so you know we've gone through strawberries we're into raspberries and blackberries and blueberries and so you know we're working on gathering uh, photo content and video content and then hopefully this winter we you know me and perhaps another cousin or two and really put our heads together, come up with a cohesive strategy, you know, do scheduled routine posting, you know, try to circulate and, and, and you know, improve engagement and, and communication with our customers. Because that's the, you know, the main focus of it is to, we want to be able to talk to our customers, you know. Get yourself out there. Yeah, get ourselves out there, but also, you know, learn what they want. You know, we, for example, you know, we love our flower garden and I think our customers love it as well, but suppose they didn't right through social media that would be a great way what you know what do you like what don't you like you know what can we do better are you doing like hashtags you know pick your own yeah so so we've done some hashtags and i'll have to give a shout out to my other cousin who's not directly involved in the farming business but she just started her personal photography business miriam belair photography for all you guys who want your uh, portraits and photo shoots done hit her up she's a local carroll county person in uh in maryland but so she's really great and she's been posting a ton and has been been tagging us and she's taken some really spectacular photos of the farm and of 
of all the crops and whatnot and all the fields. So she's been doing great work and she's big on the hashtags and, you know, her, her caption is, is half a mile long with all the different hashtags and the various spots and whatnot. Well, that's great. We'll have to get, uh, what I'll do is I'll type that all up and we'll put that in the notes that people can see her link. So Lynn, here's one for you. Over the years, you know, we've known each other a long time. And as I drive down the road towards the farm, I keep seeing more and I keep seeing Laraland and they're at different farms. What's going on? How many farms do you actually own now? <laughs> well, I actually never thought it would happen, but uh, my brothers and I have bought two farms. So the Moore farm, which is a mile down the road, was Gene Monix's farm. And we bought that to grow pumpkins. It You should rotate your pumpkins. So a field should only have pumpkins in it every five years, which means if you're going to grow 10 acres of pumpkins, you need 50 acres of ground that you devote to pumpkin ground. Well, it's a tremendous amount of ground to to be able to rotate that. And we were constantly expanding our orchards and our berries and whatnot. So we didn't have the space. So we bought that farm to grow pumpkins, which we are. And then when it became obvious that some of the next generation was interested in the farm, it made it obvious that it was time to replace apple orchards and blueberry fields and whatnot. And so in order to do that, you not only have to have the existing crop that you're selling now, but you have to be preparing soil and replacement ground for that. So you need twice as much ground. So then when they were in college and still deciding what they wanted to do with their lives, I'm like, okay, no pressure, but we're getting ready to buy a farm. So are you coming or not? (laughs) Make your life decision right this minute. Okay. So it's, but honestly, the orchard still needed to be replaced. And if they stay on the farm, it's absolutely wonderful. And I love it. So therefore I think it's lovable by everybody, but it may not be. I'm sure it will be. Well, I I hope so. But so on the fine farm, we're replacing apple orchards and strawberry fields and possibly a pear orchard. I'm not sure where the pears are going to go. But anyway, right this year, there's tomatoes over there and a new strawberry field and the pumpkin crop and two new apple orchards that will be fruiting in three to four years. And they're all pretty close to the original farm, right? Yes. Well, with the pick your own business, you you need to be close. So they're both within a mile of Larryland. So that's great. So I know um, from my daughter's friends that you've employed many students during the seasons each year. What are some of the responsibilities that these high school children or students have? Well, the job description at Larryland is whatever needs to be done right now, that's what we do. So, but in general, they handle the sales. So they are on the front line with the customers and answering questions. So we need to make sure they know how to take care of the various fruits and vegetables that we grow, how to determine whether they're ripe and ready to pick. And then they also, so they work in the market, they work out in the field with the pick your own sales, they park cars, they rearrange picnic tables, they pick up trash, they help with the field work, moving irrigation pipe, planting things, taking care of the production of the crop and whatnot. So quite an array of activities. Yeah, they're all they're all a bit of jack of all trades, really. They're they're pretty fantastic. But one thing I, I do know is that some of these students came back year after year and as adults, well I guess Lynn, some of their children are probably coming back to work there. Actually, yes. Yeah, we had we do have some of the next generation of employees here. 
So, so which was pretty I, cool. I think that's wonderful. And I, I also like a lot of the employees will come back and they'll they'll be married and they'll show me the the baby and the new spouse and they're all proud of themselves, you know, and it's really nice. Well, it's the family operation. Yeah. Is something that I've always think the world of. So tell me this, how exactly does one pick your own? I mean, I know you got to go in there and pick your own, but do you, do we bring our own containers? Do you provide it or do you weigh us, us as we leave or just the container or how's that work? So we try to take care of all of the factors that you wouldn't think of. So really you just, you drive onto the property, you go down to the parking lot, look at the signs and you know, it's got every crop, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, beets and, and all those you follow the arrows you'll come right out to the field we'll park you right by the stand come on out we have a box we have you know a wide selection of boxes to choose from ranging from pound a pound and a half all the way up to something that could hold 10 to 15 pounds so you have a ton of options for depending on what crop you want to pick and so we'll sell you that box and then usually we'll have picking examples so for peaches you know we'll have we'll go out and we'll pick some peaches that aren't quite ripe you know they still have a bit of green on them and they're still a little too neon yellowy Uh, and then we'll have some nice beautiful red cheeked orange blushing peaches that which is what you want to pick and so you know we'll do little demonstrations for each customer as they come onto the farm so they know what to look for when they're out there in the field because our main goal at least when i was a kid and how lynn and my dad always brought me up was we want to sell great quality produce you know that was their number one it wasn't we want a bunch of people on the farm or, you know, we want to be having, you know, an extravaganza and festivals. It was quality produce through and through. So that's always been a really important part of our business. And so educating the customers on what to look for and what to pick versus what not to look for and what not to pick has been pretty key. So yeah, but you just come park right in the field, well, in the parking lot, not in the field, preferably, but park right next to the field. We'll buy, you know, you can buy your box and then we send you right out there and we'll tell you, you know, which rows have good picking, which rows have already been picked through a little bit. So it's a bit more scattered here. But yeah, so it's, we try to make it as easy as possible. But are they sampling them as they're out there picking? Yes, they are certainly welcome to taste and make sure they are happy with what they're picking. But it's not a meal. It's a sample. Okay, so you're not you're not going to weigh me as I leave. No. Well. Although the 40-year-old dads <laughs> love to make that joke with their little two-year-old kid as they're coming through. You know, the face is red with strawberry juice all over. So There you go. So I know that you guys use IPM on your farm. Can you tell me a little bit about integrated pest management and how it works for Laraland? I mean, I know how it worked for as a garden center in a nursery. So since quality produce is our main goal, we are choosing varieties based on flavor, but also based on insect and disease resistance, uh, production quantity, and adaptability to the area. So you have the opportunity to choose varieties that maybe be resistant to prevalent diseases. And so we try to get as much cultural techniques built into the plan. So also the way we prune the the style we grow, the distance of planting, and a lot of different techniques like that to get air and sunlight moving through the plant, which helps dry it out, which cuts down on fungal diseases and whatnot. So, and sanitation, we try not to leave a lot of rotten fruit in the field. 
and get it picked at the proper time. And so it leaves the field and then you don't have deteriorating fruit, which then would lead to a buildup of insects and diseases and whatnot. So you, you try to blend all these techniques together and that helps reduce pesticide usage and give you a nice product. You definitely have a good product. I, I love going there. Let's go over to events. I know uh, my grandchildren have loved it. My children loved it. You have this awesome straw maze in the fall. What other types of events do you have going on? Through September and fall, you really get into apple season. And so, you know, everybody likes to go to an apple orchard. And then, you know, in October, the pumpkin patch comes. So there's pumpkin patch picking. During the fall, we try to get as many things going as possible. So as you mentioned, we do that straw maze. There have been talks about doing a corn maze. I don't think we had enough time this year to get it going, but hopefully for 2023, October, we should have a corn maze. Uh, We have hay rides that go all the way down, very scenic views by the pond, and then it goes through the 100-acre woods over the stream with the decorations of Winnie the Pooh and Harry Potter. So the hay ride is always a great time. We have the Larry Land Secret Recipe Apple Fritters that are very, very popular. So those are a big hit. And then we have a couple food trucks come on and a cattle corn vendor and whatnot. So we we have a lot going on. We're looking to build it up. Like I said, we were, we've been um, researching corn mazes and other, and other things of that nature. Uh, for ages, we've been talking about uh, pumpkin chunking cans. Oh, yeah. We, that that's still that's still a couple of years off in the horizon, but yeah, we we try to get as many festivities and and sunflowers going as we can. Lynn just mentioned sunflowers. We're hoping to create a sort of sunflower festival maze event soon. So we always plant sunflowers every year. One because they're great pollinators, and two because they're very pretty to look at. We, we used to do that at the nursery along US one had a beautiful sunflower, and then we would um let them dry out for the kids to have them for the seeds for the birds. You didn't mention the haunted barn. The boo barn. You're right. I did not mention that. That is also something we have been talking about. So during COVID 2022, we shut it down because it's, you know, it's a corridor, you know, it's a little haunted house to walk through. So for social distancing and other sanitary reasons, we decided to to leave that closed for a year or two while we were getting through the, this pandemic. Now that the pandemic is lifting and the numbers are num- the numbers are going down and the vaccinations are going up, we've talked about you know revamping it and maybe reopening it. So that is also in the works, most likely 2023. If I had to uh, put it on the calendar, but you know maybe I'll work a couple extra weekends and try to get it going for 2022. Well, and you mentioned about the decorations. Lynn, are you still the artist behind all the fabulous decorations? No. No? Well, so here's the good news. In every group of teenagers that comes to the farm, there's always this very talented one. And so the artist behind the decorations has changed over the years, but it's an amazing ability they have to be able to sculpt with chicken wire. And make all these figures. And paper mache newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's very impressive. But I've seen the ghosts that they will do out of uh, chicken wire. We were going to do them at the nursery, but ran out of time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing what you can do. Well, I know, just to let our listeners know, Lynn is very talented herself. And I remember years and years ago, all the beautiful artwork that she would do. You also mentioned about your apple fritters. Now, 
Who runs the apple fritters? So my mother did originally. Okay. So, and she made them and thought that they were just a delightful, unusual pastry. And I have to agree that they're very popular. And they also are predominantly apples, as opposed to many baked goods are predominantly the dough. And the sugar. Yeah. And, oh, you know, it does seem to have a little bit of something there. But we wanted something that was lots of apples. So, you know, it's all sliced up apples, dip, oh. dipped in a batter, and then fried. So we're still doing that same recipe that she did. My mother's still alive at 96, but she's not making apple fritters anymore. I don't know. Something about not wanting to work quite that hard. So. Well, she deserves not to have to work that yeah, hard. Absolutely. So at the moment, the labor force behind the apple fritters are the sports and choral and band teams at Glenelg High School. And they come and then we make a donation for the team. So it, it works out well. And fortunately for us, um, one of our neighbors loves to be there on the weekends and ramrod the production of the apple fritters. Well, I know it's a marvelous fundraiser for Glenelg High School, which is where I went to, my husband went to, and all my, my kids all went to. Yeah. And so did we all. Yeah, we all went there. And um, it is one of the most sought after. The groups all want to get in online to be able to run the fall apple fritter stand. What else besides produce do you sell at the farm when you go into the barn? I know there's an awful lot of different things and I think some are local companies. Yeah. So we actually, we have a ton of products. Emily Moore, my cousin is the head of the barn really in all retail sales outreach area, but I know a little bit. So let's see if I can get through this. So we have a wide selection of dairy, include goat cheeses, regular cheddar cheese and Colby Jack and cinnamon butter and obviously regular butter as well and milk, flavored milks. We have a local man. He's our beekeeper down the street. So we have Larry Land's own honey from Larry Land's Bees, which is very popular. We have a selection of body products of like hand soaps and moisturizers, face creams and sprays. We carry a lot of McCutcheon's, you know, ciders and juices and sodas and and apple butters and and black raspberry jams and jellies. We actually recently this year we just brought in some really handcrafted artisan walnut cutting boards and other you know wooden coasters and wooden serving bowls and they're they're actually quite pretty. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I want some. Well, so when I was there the other day, I saw you had a freezer full of beet. Yes. So we have partnered with Wagner's uh, Meat Locker out of Mount Airy. And so they actually, they give us really just all the good cuts of the cow, you know, the sirloin, the New York strip, the hanger steak, all loads of sausages, like four different, you know, Italian sausage, regular sausage, blend blended sausage. So yeah, we have an array of frozen meat. Yeah, all, and all this stuff is local. I think we have one vendor that's not in Maryland, and they're like northern Pennsylvania. They're, you know, 10 miles over the border. So we really, I mean, we try to stay as local as possible. So, for example, our honey and all of the beeswax candles that we have, I mean, I can walk to that guy's house. He's so local, right? So we try to stay as, you know, close to home as we can. Uh, we do some, our sweet corn is Pleasant Valley. Yeah. which is right down the road. Yeah, Montgomery County. So, yeah, we have a lot we have a lot of stuff in the market. Uh James Shelley's very popular. Those cutting boards are in the serving 
spoons and forks are they're quite beautiful. Be- yeah, they're quite quite beautiful. And one thing that my kids always enjoyed when we went there was your you could see the bees. Yeah. The observation. The observation hive. It's still there. And right now that I just looked, the queen bee has a yellow dot on her back and she is twice the size of the worker bees. And it usually she's bigger, but she's really big right now. Oh yeah, she's huge. Yeah, I have to come back over and look. I was looking the other day. And I didn't see her, so I'll I'll be back. So the observation hive is great for its function, but it's not really suited to the bee. So no, they, well, it's just hard to keep them healthy and well fed. And right now the hive is very crowded, so they may swarm, but then you know you can bring it back. But it it just it's not conducive for the bees, but it's great for the kids. <laughs> Yeah, the kids love it. My kids always like watching it because they knew they weren't going to get stung. Yeah, for sure. And it's so important. I have a. You mentioned briefly about your cut flowers, so that's something, Lynn. You've you had you've had for many years now. Um, how does that work? It works. It's really nice. Everybody thoroughly enjoys it. It's usually women out there, but occasionally you see a man come out with an absolutely beautiful arrangement, usually for his wife, which is really nice. We plant. I don't know, 20 or 30 different kinds of flowers. I'll do several plantings. So for July, August, and September, we have really prolific, multicolored, all different sizes, shapes, and colors, and some ornamental grasses and whatnot. So you can make a bouquet, pretty much whatever you want. And so we give you a cup and cutting shears, and you go out, and you whatever goes fits in that cup is yours. And there's also basil and parsley out there pretty big cup it's like it's bigger than a large yeti cup so you can get i've picked a few bouquets and you can get a lot of flowers in there i see people when i'm over there i see people coming in with these bouquets and i think i ought to go cut some but then john has his flowers here so he brings me my flowers in the morning oh that's nice i want to go over to our we have a green thumb guest segment that i always like to do and i ask a couple questions so lynn uh, what would be your most influential gardening resource, like a book or a site, or what do you use? I use the fact sheets that the land grant universities put out. So, like the University of Maryland in this area, Rutgers, Virginia Tech, Penn State, on almost every crop grown, they will have what you call a fact sheet, and it's one, two, or three pages, and it pretty much tells you A through Z how to grow the crop. So everything you need to know. And I mean, it's a lot of it's common sense and a lot of it's well-known facts for decades. And then also, there's new information there too. But it just, if you're starting something new and you haven't grown it before, it's a nice way to get familiar. So like most of the time we decide to grow a crop and we can plant it and grow it and, and it'll be great. I did have a colossal failure because I decided to grow rhubarb and I planted <laughs> 400 plants of rhubarb and 387 of them died. Oh, no. And clearly, I didn't look at my rhubarb fact sheet before I started that. But, you know, most of the time, with a little bit of background knowledge, you can have a successful situation. Are you going to grow it again or try again? Well, no. And primarily because, well, one of the things I've learned is it's too hot here. It's a, a northern cool season crop. so. 
in my desire to do weed control, I planted it on black plastic. So I made my success doubly hard to attain by making it just too hot. My grandfather, Albert Banky, always had rhubarb in Burtonsville, but it was not in the full hot sun. Yeah. It was, I remember it was off to the side, kind of in a shady. It had sun there. Yeah, see, he was smarter than I was. He wrote the facts. He was from yeah. northern Germany. <laughs> so he, he knew it needed to be a little cooler. So this is for both of you. What are your two top favorite plants? Oh, well, mine is peaches. I was going to say, yeah, what are we talking? Are we talking vegetables, fruits, or just any kind of plant? Anything. Yeah. So Lynn has peaches. What about you, Sam? Yeah, peaches is definitely up there. So I I try to stay as connected to what we're doing on the farm as I can. So every morning throughout the year, I'll do yogurt, fruit, and granola, and then I'll change the fruit with whatever seasonal. So it starts off with strawberries, then you have cherries and the blueberries, et cetera. And like Lynn said, peaches, they have so far have been the best in my yogurt. Peaches, and we actually, I just ate the first peach of the season this year. We have Glenglow peaches fresh in the market today. So peach season has just started. Uh, so yeah, peaches would probably be number one. And then I would probably put blackberries at number two. There you go. So here's the thing, Lynn, finish this statement. When I'm not gardening, I also are running my farm. I also like to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. Probably reading would be, but I, so I have a garden at home. I have a vegetable garden and a flower garden at home in mm-hmm. addition to what we're doing here on the farm. So in, insanity tends to run in the family. What, what about you, Sam? What do you like to do when you're not working on that farm? Yeah, I got a, I got a couple hobbies. I like to stay active. So uh, usually a bit of tennis or golf or something like that. But yeah, I, I try to stay active. Sleeping is probably number two <laughs> on the list, though. A well-rested well, farmer is a happy farmer. That's right. That's right. So. As we get close to the end here, how can our audience find out more about you? And plus, also, how do they know when to what is ready to pick? Because I know things change day by day, hour by hour. All right. So the website www.pickyourown.com because we didn't think anybody could spell Larryland, right? <laughs> it's updated every day, and if something changes during the day, I will change the website and the telephone recording. Also, we put out an e-newsletter, which goes out at least once a week, and it will go out more often if different fields are opening for the first time. Some crops like black raspberries are only in for about two weeks, and then other crops like apples are in for 10 weeks, but the varieties change. So you're absolutely right. It It's a very fluid situation around here, and because our goal is to sell quality fruit, we monitor the field and we will check it during the day and we check it at the end of the day and make sure that number one, we are always in the best picking in that field. And number two, if things aren't right, we're not going to open it and just say, well, you know, go out and find something if you can. If there's nothing out there and it's not right, then the field's closed until the picking is easy and obvious and ready for the customer. So. The website and the record, telephone recording are the best ways to keep up to date. And the e-newsletter. And what, what phone number do you want them to call? 410-442-2605. All right. I've never called it because I'm only a couple miles away. <laughs> I can take whatever I get. 
we usually have several things ready at one time. So, you know, if you, if you don't like one, then pick something else. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Lynn is very good about the newsletter and the recording every day after work, you know, we're, it's been a long, hard day and I'm ready to go home. I come in and she's typing away on her computer and, and doing the recording, you know, so, and she really does. She'll update it in some busy days. She'll update it three times a day, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 10 o'clock cherries are done. And then 12 o'clock we're changing something else. And then three o'clock, you know, we're changing other things. So she really does stay on it. You don't have disappointed customers then. Exactly. They, yeah, we try yeah. our hardest. You were talking about social media earlier. And so we're trying to, to get that up to snuff and to be able to have it be a reliable source of information. So my following is not as large as <laughs> Lynn's newsletter of like 17,000 people. We have a measly like 2,000 or so. But for everybody listening, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Larryland Farm. L-A-R-R-I-L-A-N-D-F-A-R-M. So yeah, follow us. And I try to post on the weekends, I try to post stories about what crops we have and then as they get picked out. So as Lynn mentioned, you know, sweet cherries, which are already done for this year, they usually last about the morning to mid-afternoon. And then same with black raspberries, just because of the high demand and the low volume. So I try to... Are you on Facebook? Yes, we are. We have a Facebook page. We need to revamp it. There was a login password issue that we need to fix, but it's a Larryland Farm homepage spelled the same way, L-A-R-R-I-L-A-N-D. So yes, we're, we're working on our social media. Hopefully for October, we'll be able to communicate effectively and efficiently with all of our customers and because we want to hear from them. We want feedback. So, Well, I know you get a lot of feedback. I'm always on social media and I see in the fall, especially, you know, the little ones picking pumpkins or picking apples and people love to share their pictures of their children. So that's always good. So we're coming to a close. This has been a lot of fun. I want to thank both you, Lynn and Sam for chatting with me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is, this has been fun. I know you're so busy and I really appreciate you coming in out of the heat wave. Well, yeah, I kind of appreciate the opportunity to be sitting in this cool room. Thank you. See, I told you it wasn't so bad. Yeah, you're right. So anyhow, I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to what it takes to own and operate a pick-your-own farm. It's a wonderful drive out to this part of Western Howard County. And of course, you know how much I like to support to buy local. And you can't get any localer than this. I mean, they grow it. Or if they didn't, they get it locally, as uh, they just talked about. Laraland also supports other businesses. We talked a little bit about the events they have and different charities. So we'll put that information out there so you all can see it. I want to invite going on to something different besides Laraland. I want to invite everybody to come see me at some of the events I'll be at this 2022 season. I'll be attending different craft shows. You'll see me at the Fall Home and Garden Show in Glenwood, September. And then I'll be in Timonium in October. And you can always check my schedule at beyondbankies.com. So as always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please like us on your favorite podcast directory. Be sure to check out our public forums on our website at beyondbankies.com. If you have any questions, please ask them. I have a couple of our former employees are there. They're just ready to answer. We just need you to send in some questions. Join us next month for another episode of Beyond Bankies Gardening Podcast. As always, they will air on the first Thursday of each month. 
And once again, thank you so much for listening to today. Till next time, this is Stephanie Fleming from Beyond Banky. Stay safe, be happy. And remember, if you truly love nature, you'll find beauty everywhere. Bye-bye.